What's the game-changing realization that helped you build a high-performing team? That question is at the center of every episode of the HR Impact Show. Every HR professional wants to build a team that has empowered managers, engaged employees, and an organization that's striving to become elite. The challenge is that you're often told to do more with less. We're gonna fix that. Every week, we will feature executive and senior HR leaders from across the country, and they will share with us their actionable insights and best practices that can help empower you to create an engaged elite workforce. Here's the show. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Impact Show. I am your friendly neighborhood town strategy nerd, Dr. Jim. Why is learning to let go a critical competency for a leader? A person that's going to fill us in on what all of that means is joining us today. He's got 18 plus years in the risk safety and compliance in HR space. He's got deep experience within the construction, oil and gas sectors. He's a former member of the Oklahoma Safety Council. He's also a former board member of the Northeastern State University College of Business and Technology, current uh, board member of the Oklahoma Aquarium, and the current uh, VP of Risk and HR at Ross Group, Brandon Robbins. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You have a pretty interesting background that I think is gonna inform some of the discussion that we're gonna have. But before we dive into the core purpose of the show, why don't you fill us in on anything that I might have missed in that bio that's going to inform the conversation? I grew up within the, the construction arena, dabbled in oil and gas growing up. But the majority of my life has been involved with construction at some point and in people. And really the biggest piece of, I think, make, what makes me is every job that I've wanted or aspired to be growing up and, and coming into my career, um, all involved helping people. So I think that's why I really fit into this space. One of the things that caught my attention about your background when I was looking for guests on the show was your overall career trajectory. You you didn't land in the HR space, at least from my perspective, going the traditional route. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into the HR space and how that career journey has informed how you actually do the job of an HR leader. Coming out of college, my degree, safety management, and that's where I really started with the company is just a safety manager. And safety involves people. It involves changing behaviors and coaching. And over the years, I also was heavily involved in recruiting, uh, employee morale activities, other aspects of HR that weren't necessarily the benefits compliance. I learned a lot about HR as we were growing as a company, being the backup to our HR manager. Fast forward uh, several years uh, when I was asked to um, take the HR department underneath me, I've really learned and grown a lot by bringing in people to fill in the gaps in, in my knowledge and really help me learn and continue to grow. You talk through the non-traditional path into HR, and then when you had the opportunity to have HR roll under your influence, you took the approach of hiring people around you that filled in the gaps that you recognized. What did you realize about yourself that made sense for you to take that approach to your hiring strategy? It just really humbled me, honestly. Coming into that role, we had a great team of HR professionals there, uh, but there was just something missing a little bit. And it was really, it really was somebody already within the company um, that I felt could really come in, strengthen our relationship with our colleagues and to add an additional focus into training, development, and again, 
pushing forward that coaching, changing behavior attitude that I brought to the table in when I came over the group. But such a big part of this is just is just humbling yourself and knowing that you're not good at everything. And that, that was what um, my current HR manager really brought to the table, her expertise in the compliance benefits side and helping me learn and helping me know enough where I can assist her in her day-to-day functions and then be hands-off enough to also be able to have an outside view to an extent when she does have a question like, hey, how would, how would you approach this situation? Again, it's having a team of people who, who strengthen you, but also fill in those gaps where you may be a little weak just because of lack of experience, lack of knowledge, and or honestly, it may be a, a part of your day-to-day job that you just don't enjoy as much. It's really interesting how you describe that dynamic that you were talking about. Oftentimes, it can be really difficult for somebody to either tell you you have gaps in certain areas, or it can be really difficult for you to recognize that in and of yourself. So how did you get to the point where you were open to that feedback or you did that, you came to that realization? What was the work that you did that set the stage for you to realize that these gaps exist? So part of that is just inherently who I am. I am not a big praise person, whether it was athletics growing up, me being brought up by my parents, whatever it is, even into my professional career with my uh, former mentor, former boss here at Ross Group is I really rise to the occasion or really appreciate just honesty and this and critical feedback not that you're horrible at your job or hey have you thought about doing this a little differently or or things of that nature so i'm always open to criticism and i think it is a very critical part in anybody's journey to get where they want to be but i've always taken it well i i, and I just know what i'm good at. i'm really good with people i'm really good at building relationships strengthening relationships i embrace conflict they're there are just things that I am good at that I know that it's who I am that a lot of people shy away from. And then there's just things that I'm not as good at. Just I am, I'm not the, I'm good technically in a lot of things, but there are a lot of people that are, are smarter than me, honestly, and know different regulations a lot better just off the top of their head. Than- I appreciate you sharing that about yourself. And I think when I hear what you're talking about, the lessons that I draw from just this little part that you talked about is everybody, if you want to be an effective leader, You have to get in a space where you're really recognizing what works for you, what you're good at, and what you're not good at. You need to be self-aware. The other thing that stood out about the answer that you gave was really good leaders in any organization need to be able to embrace conflict in whatever form it shows up. And I think that came out of your comments about you've always been somebody that's been very open to feedback or criticism, and that's really helped you develop your career and move you in this trajectory. Let's dive into the meat of the discussion. The goal of this show is to bring on HR leaders and have them share their game-changing insights that help them build high-performing teams. I opened the show where big question that we're going to answer is, why learning to let go is a critical competency for a leader. And we've hinted at some of that already in what we've talked about, but why don't you share with us what that game-changing realization was that you had and how that was informed by you learning how to let go. It is letting go of your ego. It is knowing that you are here in your role, not only for your team, but honestly, for your company, you're here for the people. And if you're not the best version of yourself or even trying to be the best version of yourself, you can't do that. And I really look around my team 
And I challenge us every day to be vulnerable when need be to build trust, to strengthen relationships and when to strengthen our team. It's important for all of us to know what's going on here. What's keeping you up at night? What was your high from yesterday? What was your low from yesterday? We start off every day. Hey, what's your big thing you got to get done today? What was your high from yesterday and your low from yesterday? And, and sometimes it's really nothing. I didn't have a low yesterday or I'm really excited for my vacation. I'm going to get on the next couple of days. And sometimes it's something like, you know, I'm really glad I made this breakthrough with this employee yesterday. He's really grasping this new training we provided and he's really excited for his next job. And a low may be, well, we had a 10-year employee decide to resign due to these issues. You learn so much from each other by sharing those moments. And again, it's taking that time. So again, it's a letting go. It's determining what your priorities are. And again, letting go of your ego. How, how is that all helping me? A little bit, but I really feel like it's helping the team. And it's honestly just a place for people to vent and maybe get some of the stress out or just tell people, hey, it's okay. You're going to be fine. It's a new day. Let's move on. Let's get this done. So again, letting go is very critical. There isn't a single thing about what you said that I disagree with. And it all makes sense in theory. What I'm really curious about is when you look at all of the things that you talked about, what worked, having a, a really strong communication culture, that doesn't happen overnight. So tell us a little bit about how you got to the point where you had a team that was willing to have those conversations. What were the things that you would advise leaders to do to build that type of culture where you can have those sort of conversations and have it build that vulnerability? But absolutely didn't happen overnight. I, I was very fortunate to have one person or actually a couple people on my team as I talk about risk and the HR side of things that have worked with me or, or within my department for 10 plus years. And one of the individuals is a 15 year employee. But again, it's starting out being vulnerable. It's starting out leading by example. You can't ask things of other people if you're not willing to do it yourself. And sometimes it's forcing an issue. Sometimes it's forcing people to be uncomfortable. I don't have all the people on my team aren't the most social people. So and they're not the most trusting right out the gate. So when you, this isn't just a, a me and one other person, we're talking a team of eight. When I look at everybody on my team, our teams. So it's just, it's pushing again. There's a little, there's always a little bit of conflict and it's, it's talking about, Hey, conflict's healthy. It's when you don't talk about things and you let it fester and spiral where it, it really turns negative. And, and that's where a lot, and it's also about just how you handle a conflict. You don't, it's not about yelling. It's just, it's bringing something maybe that's a little uncomfortable to the table and talking about, Hey, I'm not here to get down on you, but let's figure out why we did it this way. And, and let's move on. Let's figure out how it's not going to happen again. You've got to lead by example. Leaders always need to speak last when you're brainstorming, when you're talking about things. They need to speak first when it comes to anything that involves vulnerability and building trust. Wow. It's been a great conversation so far. Make sure you join the HR Impact community where we gather a community of HR leaders just like you. This is a space where top people leaders share actionable insights and practical playbooks. Sign up today as a member for the community. Get updates on the latest HR resources and exclusive event invites. You can join the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR impact. And now back to the show. Your comment about leaders need to speak last when it comes to any sort of open discussion about any topic that might be under consideration, but speak first when it comes to vulnerability. That's really interesting. Tell us a little bit more about why that distinction exists. I really like that distinction that you made. Leaders need to speak last, except in instances where they need to show vulnerability. Why did you make that distinction? It's very important as a leader. I know 
I tend to be very persuasive, even when I'm not trying to be, I can come off a little intimidating. And it, sometimes it's just easy when you're excited about something to not brainstorm and really say things that maybe other people in the room may take as direction rather than just trying to open discussion. So again, it's really important to get everybody else to speak before you as a leader. So you can get everybody's honest opinion without throwing yours in there. Because if you talk first, you may hear crickets for the rest of the meeting because in the back of their mind, they think this is the way he wants to go. So there's no point in me speaking up. And then when it comes to vulnerability side, again, it's leading by example. It's if you start off with not showing trust, not being vulnerable, not saying what's stressing you or what your high for the day before was or what your low was. If you're not leading by example, nobody's going to follow you and you're not going to get the change that you want. I'd imagine that executing all of that within the industry that you're in, in the region that you're in, was pretty challenging. So how did you get to this sort of high communication environment? Because I don't know oil and gas very well. Building this high communication culture within that industry seems to be pretty challenging. Maybe I'm off base, but tell me a little bit about how you navigated this in the industry that you're in, which isn't typically known for having a high communication culture. Construction and oil and gas, both very similar. And like you said, being in Oklahoma, everybody tends to think we're super macho, super cowboy. And again, they are both pretty male dominated industries. It has to start at the top. As an executive team, we felt like we couldn't ask certain things, whether it was trust, open communication, healthy conflict, peer-to-peer -peer accountability. We didn't feel like we were at a place where we could ask that of the next level down or our teams if we weren't doing it at our level. So we actually brought in a third party, third party group to work with us to get that amongst ourselves and ensure we were clicking on all cylinders. We were, we were green out of a three color scale of red, yellow, green, and, and then really be able to try to embrace and demonstrate these items to get the culture we wanted of the open communication. But you're right, it's not easy. There's still challenges every day, just because I feel maybe my two teams are are functioning at a very high level on those. It uh, doesn't mean we are across the organization because uh, like you said, you bring in new people to various teams. A lot of our projects, they're a year to maybe two years long. And sometimes those personnel, they don't want to move from that area that they're in. So we have some turnover in those areas. So then it's bringing in the next person and getting them to embrace our culture. Uh, but one thing we do real well, every new hire that comes through the office, uh, we have an executive portion where one of the members of the executive team go in and spend 20, 30 minutes going through our playbook that we developed that talks about who we are as a company, what our culture, what the culture we're striving for is, what our three core values are, and then just sitting there talking and really pushing that peer-to-peer -peer accountability, that passion for what we do, being a consummate teammate. That's how we've really re tried to reinforce it. There's a, a couple of really important things that I want to call out that you mentioned. One, when you're trying to build this culture, the executive team recognized the gaps that they had uh, at some level, and they got help to build the competency that they needed to be effective and, and model what good looks like to the team. The other part that I really like about how you built this culture is that you've actually built out a playbook that you go over with every new hire that sets the stage, and it also connects to the values and mission of the organization. And I think when you're thinking about building a high-performing team, a high-performing culture, a communication-heavy culture, a lot of the stuff gets missed on that onboarding piece. You're not connecting the dots for the people that come into your organization about, hey, this is how we do things. 
open to ideas, but this is the operating rhythm and this is what that looks like. I think that's a really important call out. Let's switch gears a little bit. And you did all of this work to build this sort of high communication culture. You built this capacity within yourself where you're humble, you learn to let go, you remove the ego from the process. If other people leaders are looking to build an organization that operates similarly to what you're describing, what are the red flags or pitfalls that they need to watch out for that you encountered? I think it's looking at decisions and personnel decisions, structural, tactical decisions, and, and just asking yourself, making sure that they're unselfish, that you're being unselfish, that you're not making these decisions for a selfish reason, that it is for the greater good. It's not what's going to make your group's duties easier, or it's not going to create more work for this other group or even another person. So it's really important to try and ferret out um, all these things before you go to implement procedures, processes, or, or make just overall decisions where the company is going. Just check that again. That kind of goes back to the check the ego thing. And the other piece is it's so important to, if you're a manager to have a strong number two. I'm very fortunate to have a number two on the HR side who's my manager there. And I have a number two on the risk safety side, people that'll push me to be a better person. And you can't be scared of that. You can't be scared that, oh, this I'm setting this person up to steal money or I'm setting them up so that they, they're going to get a job offer in a couple of weeks or a month or within a year. And then they're going to leave. I'm going to be back at square one. You can't be concerned about that because... Again, that's being selfish. If you're doing these things for people, you're helping them better themselves, uh, better their families' lives, potentially better the organization. You're doing all these things because it's what's good for them. And in that term, it is going to help you out and it's going to help the long-term goals of the company. But you just, you have to be honest with yourself and not be scared. When you talk about being unselfish, being collaborative when it comes to decision-making, having a strong number two people who can push you to be better. How does that tie into what we talked about? Commitment to hiring the best, commitment to building the best team. How did that inform your hiring strategy and your development strategy? When we were making our changes, I just looked at somebody who I felt I could communicate effectively with. And we, somebody that again, had a strong background in the areas that I wasn't as familiar with, or I didn't have the passion for. So it had to be a combination of things. I had to, had to make sure they had the, the Tim Tebow qualities that I look for in employees, the things that you can't teach, passion, leadership, and again, that humbleness. So it's really hard to build those things in people if it's a little bit of it's already not there. Those are the qualities I always look for in people on our team. And then it's so important just to have somebody that understands and can appreciate the culture. Maybe they're not the most outgoing Maybe they're not, the, they are a little conflict averse. Those are two things I do have within my team a little bit that I try and bring out more and try and get them ready to overcome those hurdles so that they can move on to a manager type role or can or give more duties. That's another piece of it is people don't have to move up vertically. If you give them some horizontal duties, keep adding to them. And as long as they're compensated, they're going to be happy. Not everybody cares about a title. It goes back to knowing your people, knowing who you are, knowing your ability to manage what's going to work best. And you can't manage everybody the same way. It's like your kids. You can't raise, you're not going to, you're going to try and raise them the same, but you have to handle each, each personality different. It's really no different than that is you can't manage, you can't coach. 
awesome conversation. I think uh, just about every segment that you've offered your insights on has got some actionable takeaways for anybody that's listening. So before we wind everything down, I want you to give us a, a framework or a paint by numbers uh, version of what we're talking about. When we're looking at building high performance teams, when we're looking at building a high communication culture, when you're looking at learning how to let go as a leader, what are the key things that you want the listeners to think about and remember when they're trying to do this on their own? Uh, I think number one, conflict isn't a four letter word. Embrace conflict. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. As long as the situations are approached professionally, you can make it through just about anything. The second thing, as you're trying to build a team, and you're especially from the ground up, speak plainly, keep it simple. A lot of people tend to talk a lot and maybe not say a lot. So be direct and keep it simple. And the third thing, again, just stay humble. Don't be scared of anything. Don't be, everybody's going to make mistakes. You as a manager, your personnel will stay humble, stay unselfish, and you'll get your team where you need to go. Awesome stuff, Brandon. Where can people find you? LinkedIn's probably the biggest one that I'm on. So look for me there. I appreciate you hanging out with us, Brandon. And uh, I learned a lot during the conversation. If I'm taking inventory of all the things that we talked about and the big things that leaders need to pay attention to when they're building high performance teams, here are the things that, that stood out to me. Number one, before you try to start helping anybody, you need to take inventory of yourself and recognize where your gaps are and get help to shore up those gaps before you try to fix somebody else. Then once you've done the work on yourself, it's important to build a playbook that you can actually get in front of every new person that comes into the organization and get them up to speed on how it is that you operate, what's the expectation, what does good look like? I think that was an aspect of the conversation that I thought was really useful. And then you highlighted it in the conversation where it's critical for leaders to be unselfish, it's critical for leaders to be humble, and really, when you're looking at building a high-performance organization, it's critical for leaders to hire from the perspective of people that can step into your role if need be. You need to have strong people that balance you out and that push you to be better. And with all of those things taken together, in addition to the things that you mentioned, Brandon, that's how you build a high-performance team. So really appreciate you hanging out and sharing all of that insight. I think the listeners are in for a lot of learning, a lot of actionable steps that, that they'll get. For those of you who have listened to the episode, let us know what you think of it and leave us a review and tune in next time where we'll have another great leader joining us from the HR space that's going to give us the keys to the kingdom on how to build a high-performing team. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Impact Show. We hope you liked the conversation. Don't forget to continue supporting us by joining the HR Impact community. You can find the community at www.engagerocket.co slash hrimpact. Tune in next time where we'll have another guest who's going to share with us the game-changing insights that help them build high-performing teams.